The message for the day is that if Jesus can overcome a grave, if Jesus can overcome death, then he can certainly overcome our greatest fears. He can certainly overcome our greatest failures. And he can most definitely overcome our greatest problems. Amen? I'm excited about today and to share with you guys a, uh, a message that um, really is, is one that, uh, you know, Maybe you've had this question before. Maybe you've asked the question, you know, is this, is this real? Is it, is it possible that, that a man could come back to life from death? Is it, is it possible that, that Jesus, this God Jesus, that, that he really is who he, he says he is, and that, that maybe he really do, or maybe he really could do everything that he promised us that he would do, in the Bible. Maybe you've asked that question before. Maybe not. Maybe you know the answer to that question. But if you're like me, then you have asked that question before. There has been a little bit of, of doubt sometimes to creep in and say, eh, maybe not. Maybe. Hey, let me ask you a question. How many of you uh, went out and bought yourself, or maybe you bought the kids, uh, something new for Easter. You, you, you got something, maybe a new shirt, new pair of pants, something. Okay, nobody's going to admit that they went and bought something. Okay, there you go. There you go. Awesome. Good, 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 good. We love new, th- <coughs> excuse me, we love new things, don't we? I mean, really, come on. We like new things. We like the way that new things feel. Like if you get a new shirt, I mean, you, you know, you like to put on a new shirt or a new pair of pants or, you know, a new outfit or something. So we like the way that new things feel, right? We like the way that a new car drives, don't we? You know, you get that new car. It's got that new car smell. You know, the kids hadn't left a, you know, bag of McDonald's underneath the seat, you know, that stinks for 10 days and, you know, just really makes you... Anyway, but like you, you, we love new things the way maybe a a new job feels, right? When you get a new job and and you get excited about that job and you start going to that new job for a little while and man, you love it. You love the new paycheck because maybe it's a bump up from the last paycheck that you got and so you love seeing that, right? And so we love these new things. We love new technology, don't we? Anybody get the new iPad 3? Come on, be honest. You, I'm not going to jack it from you, but the new iPad 3 just came out recently, right? Just a, just a couple of weeks ago. You know, the funny thing about the, the iPad 3 is um, probably, I guess it's been about four months ago, I got a, uh, an iPad 2. Somebody blessed me, and actually the, the church here, they, they blessed me with an iPad 2, and it was awesome, and it was just uh, unexpected and, and great. And I, I love it, and I, I, I preach from it today. And I, I, I love this thing. It's awesome. It's amazing. I'm, I'm a big Apple geek, and so I love Apple products, and, and so I, I, love this, I love this iPad. But the funny thing is, is that, not too long after I got the iPad 2, the iPad 3 came out, right? Now my iPad 2 is just junk, isn't it? Because, I mean, like, it's old, <laughs> right? It, it, it's old now. You're like, I'll take it. Yeah, well, I, I'm keeping it. So I didn't get an iPad 3. I got an iPad 2. But, but here's, the, here's what I know about new things. Eventually, new things become old things, don't they? Like that new shirt that you got, you know, one of your kids throws up on it, you know, you get the spit up on it, and then it's an old shirt, right? And you don't, you, you'd rather burn it then, right? And so, man, I'm speaking from experience. I've got a, I've got a 10-month-old and a, and a 3-year-old, so it happens. I don't have any shirts that don't have stains on it. But, but the thing is, is like, eventually, the new thing, it becomes an old thing. That new car, you know, something happens to it, doesn't it? 
you get a scratch on it or you know something tears up on it and it's not so new anymore then it becomes old that that new job that you got eventually you start hitting the snooze button every morning don't you and you're like really monday again uh, you know and it's like you got to go to work right and so new things eventually they become old things here's what i here's what i love about the resurrection story And here's what I love about what Jesus does. It's that because of the resurrection, if the resurrection really did happen, if it's really true, if Jesus is who he says he is, if he's going to do everything that he promised us that he would do, if all of that, in fact, is true, then Jesus makes old things new again. And Jesus takes things that were once dead, things that were once hopeless, things that were once useless to us, and makes them new again. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says that he makes all things new, and he does it in an unexpected fashion. If you have your Bibles today, turn to John chapter 11. I want to share with you guys just a quick story from John chapter 11, an event that happened. Jesus, um, Jesus was away. He was doing ministry and busy as usual. But Jesus had a friend, and his, friend, his friend's name was Lazarus. Some of you, uh, how would you like to name your son Lazarus? You know, that would be a little weird. But, I mean, he had this friend named Lazarus. Well, Lazarus had two sisters, Mary and Martha. And Lazarus had become sick. Jesus was not in the same place where Lazarus was at. And so Mary and Martha, they send for Jesus. They, they call to Jesus. They, they send out to him to go to Jesus and, and to tell Jesus that to come quickly because his friend, Lazarus, is sick and is about to die. And so when they get to Jesus and they tell Jesus, they say, Jesus, come quickly. Your friend Lazarus is sick. You must come and heal him. Jesus says, no. I'm going to stay here for a little while. I'm going to wait. What? Yeah, I'm going to wait. And so Jesus actually waits. The Bible says that he waited for two days before he went to see Lazarus. And so by the time Jesus actually gets to where Lazarus is at, Lazarus has actually died. He was sick when they they came to him, but when Jesus finally got there, because he waited on purpose, Lazarus died. And the Bible says that that when Jesus came, when he came out, one of the sisters comes running out to Jesus and meets Jesus halfway. And she comes running out to him and, and she comes to him and she says, she says, Jesus, you're late. You ever felt like that saying that to Jesus? You ever felt like that saying that to God? You know, God didn't show up for you when you expected God to show up for you. God didn't show up in your situation when you wanted God to show up. God didn't show up in your situation when you needed him most to show up. And when he didn't, that situation, that thing, that problem, it just magnified. It got bigger. It got worse. Or maybe it died. Because this is exactly what happens when Jesus finally gets there. And she comes to Jesus and she says, Jesus, if you would have been here, if you only would have shown up when I called for you in the first place, if you would have gotten here when I asked you to come, Lazarus would not have died. So she kind of gives Jesus the, right, you know, a little head bob, you know. I can't do it, so I'm not even going to try. But like, she just gives it to him, right? 
I believe that if Jesus could have came, he could have changed the whole situation. If Jesus would have got there before Lazarus died, Jesus, it, it, not, not, Lazarus would not have died. Jesus would have shown up and everything would have been okay. And maybe you feel that way too. Maybe you've said that to God before where you said, I know that if you just would have been here when I asked for you to be here, this would not have happened. And so maybe in that, maybe you lost a little bit of faith. Maybe you lost a little bit of belief in that Jesus is who he says he is. And so maybe it's made you question before, did the resurrection really happen? Is this guy who he says he is? Is he going to do everything that he promised he'd do? Because right now, it feels like that he's not. Right now, it feels like he's not who he says he is. And so maybe this sister who came to Jesus, maybe she kind of felt like this for just a moment. It felt a little hopeless. And maybe you've been there before. But in John chapter 11, verse 25, I love what Jesus says back to her. Jesus answered her and said this. I love this. Says, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Let me say that again. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And so Jesus makes this crazy claim. He says, I am the resurrection. And if, if you will believe in me, if, if, if one will believe in me, even though he may die, he will live. Can you imagine what's going through her head right now at this moment? This dude is crazy. What is he talking about? He is dead. My brother is dead, and you didn't show up. And he, he is dead because you didn't show up. My situation is hopeless because you didn't show up. And so she's ask, asking the question, is, is he really the resurrection? Is he really the life? Today, quickly, I, I, want, to, I want to give you just a couple uh, of examples of why I believe and why historically, actually, we can look at this resurrection thing and say that, yes, Jesus really did resurrect from the grave. There really is an empty tomb. There is no Jesus in the tomb. Um, it, you don't have to turn there, but in Luke 24, there's a story. Uh, it's the story of the resurrection. Maybe you read it this morning. But in Luke chapter 24, the, uh, Jesus has been crucified. We celebrated Good Friday. That's the day that Jesus died. He did die. He, he was dead. They took him off of a cross as a dead man. And he was crucified on a cross for my sins. He was crucified on the cross for my hopeless situation and for, and for my belief. And from my faith. And so they took him off of a cross on Friday and they took him and they laid him into a tomb. A tomb that was basically just a cave in the side of a mountain with a one ton rock that they would roll over the top of it to make sure that uh, it stayed nice and fresh on the inside and the outside, if you know what I mean. And so like, th th this is what they did. And so they put Jesus into this tomb. And in Luke 24, it says that, that they went and, and, and the, these ladies, they go and they go to the tomb to prepare Jesus for final burial. They're going to close it up one last time and, and they're going to leave it closed and he's going to stay in there and that's where he's going to lay. And so it's, the Bible says that they went and when they got there, when they got to this tomb, this place where they had laid Jesus just two days before this, early in the morning, the Bible says in Luke 24 that they got there and when they got there, the tomb was open. Yeah, amen. And it was empty. 
There was no Jesus in there. There was nobody there. And there was an angel there. There, there, there was an angel there. And, and, it's, and they, I love this. They said, the man that you're looking for isn't here. Excuse me? Yeah, he got up. He's alive. The man that you seek, Jesus, is not here. And so the Bible says that they ran back to the other disciples, the other 11 disciples who were still, they were camped out in the upper room up there, and they ran back over to them, and they told them, he's not there. The tomb is empty. We went. We saw it. There was no Jesus inside this tomb. Uh, We have that picture of the tomb uh, back there. You can just throw it up there. This is is the garden tomb right here. This is is the tomb in Israel. They call it the garden tomb. This is where they believe that, that the body of Jesus once was. You can look inside that tomb, and it's empty. It's empty. And this is where they were at. And so they, they peeked inside there, and they told the other disciples that he's not there. And so some of them didn't believe them, but there was Peter. And Peter said, i got to see this for myself. i got to see it for myself. Because maybe, maybe, just maybe, he really did get up. Maybe they're not kidding around. Maybe, just maybe, he was who he said he was. I mean, if all people should know that Jesus was who he said he was, it should have been Peter, right? I mean, Peter walked on water with the guy for, for a moment, but he saw him. You know, Peter saw him heal people. P- Peter chopped off a dude's ear and Jesus put it back on. I mean, that should have been enough, right? But Peter's going, maybe, just maybe. And so he runs to the tomb. The Bible says that he ran to the tomb because he had to see for himself. Maybe today you just have to see for yourself. There, there are a couple of claims that people have made before that have said, you know what? Maybe, uh, maybe you know, if the resurrection really did happen, there, there's a couple of claims that people have said, you know, here, here's why maybe it's not true. And let me just give you a couple of them real quick. Um, the biggest one, the one that the one that most people try to throw out there, and 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 um, you know maybe you've thought this before too, is they said, you know what, the reason why Jesus' body wasn't in that tomb is because the disciples came and they stole the body. For that to take place, just for a second, let me let me explain to you why that would be hard to believe. Number one, the Roman government, which was the most powerful army in the world, the best trained soldiers in the world, were the ones who would be guarding this tomb. There would have been four to twelve soldiers actually guarding this tomb. And you're like, well, they probably fell asleep and maybe they could just kind of slipped in and, you know, sold it while they were asleep. When they sleep, they actually form a semicircle around the ones who are sleeping and they take, they don't all sleep at the same time. They're the best army in the world. They don't sleep at the same time. And so for this claim to be true, what would actually had to have happened is, is that we would have to say that fishermen and tax collectors, which who the disciples were, completely untrained army, right? Fishermen and tax collectors snuck past the Roman government, the Roman army, slipped in there, pushed away a one-ton stone, pulled Jesus out, put the stone back, the whole time not waking up a single soldier. Hmm. Right. And, then, and so other people say, well, Jesus really wasn't dead when they took him off of a cross. Have you seen crucifixion? <laughs> I mean, really. It was the most cruel punishment ever given to man. And it was perfected by the ones who crucified Jesus, the Romans. They perfected it. 
And so for that to not to be true, they're saying a man who was beaten nearly to death before he was actually crucified on the cross, that the Romans who took a spear, pierced it into his side, through his lungs, into his heart, to make sure that he was dead before they took him off of the cross, were saying that they just left one, let one slip through their fingers. Maybe that one, maybe that one lived. And after all of that, we're saying that this man, Jesus, who was nearly dead when they put him on the cross in the first place, that he had enough strength to just kind of get up and push away a one-ton stone and walk out, slip past the Roman soldiers, and then heal up. Makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Then there's sightings. They had all of these sightings. People actually saw Jesus after he was crucified and after he was resurrected. The Bible says that over... Uh, he was seen by over 500 people at one time. 500 people. That's a lot of people to say that a man who everybody else thought was dead was alive, right? He appeared to his disciples. He appeared to Thomas. Thomas Thomas gets a bad rap. This disciple Thomas, we call him Doubting Thomas. He gets a bad rap because he doubted. But we've all doubted before, hadn't we? I don't call you Doubting Ben. You know, or doubting Bobby, right? But Thomas gets this doubting Thomas rap, right? Because he said, if Jesus is really alive, then I need to see him here. I need to see the scars. I need to see the piercings in his side. I need to see it for myself. You've said it too. I've said it. We've, we've not said it in the same way, but we've said, I need to see for myself. I need to know for sure that he is who he says he is. It's exactly what Thomas was saying. But isn't it amazing that God knows that we doubt. Because Jesus showed up for Thomas. Kind of funny too, he walks through a door that's closed and locked and he just kind of appears and he's like, peace be with you. Kind of like, what's up? Scares the, you know, scares them, right? You know, I'm sure they would be like, seriously? That door was locked. But Jesus comes in and says, Thomas, here I am, touch. Just so Thomas would know. And so there were all of these sightings uh, where, where the people actually saw Jesus. And then lastly, I would say this. Did the resurrection really happen? Let me tell you why I think that it really happened. Because his disciples, the men that walked with him for three years, when they saw that Jesus had been resurrected, when they believed and saw for themselves that he was who he said he was and that he was going to do everything that he promised he would do, you know what they did? They went and died for it. Now let me ask you a question. Would you die for something that you knew was a lie? To defend it? They did. I have to believe that they would not die for something that was a lie. Something that they would make up. Something that they would was false. Because I wouldn't die for a lie. I don't think that you would either. I don't think that they would either. But yet they died for it. Not only did they die for it, but many others after them. People still die for it today. And because of that, this story of Jesus has spread miraculously. It's spread all over the world, and it's even spread here to Oak Ridge. And so back to John chapter 11. She's, she's asking these questions. She's asking, is he really who he says he is? Is he going to do everything that he promised he would do? And she, Jesus, after he says, he says to Martha, he asks Martha, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And then verse 26, this is what he says back to her. 
And everyone who lives, believes in me, shall never die. And I love this question. He says, do you believe this? Do you believe this? That's the question to you and I today. Do we believe this? Do we believe that, that God is who he says he is? Do we believe that Jesus was actually truly resurrected from the grave? Do we really, truly believe this? Do we believe that God specializes in resurrections? Do we believe that, that Jesus really does make all things new? And do we believe that, that he is going to do everything that he promised he would do so we can take promise, we can, we can put faith into John 16, 33? Where it says, take heart, for I have overcome the world. Which means, take heart, you and I. We can, he is, if he can overcome a grave, he can overcome our biggest problems. He can overcome our greatest situations. It goes on. Skip down to uh, John 11, 38. Let finish this story out. I can't, uh, if you get time sometime today, read the, read the whole story of this. It's, it's one of my favorites. But in John 11, 38 and 39... Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. So Jesus, he has this conversation with Martha, and then he comes to the tomb where Lazarus is at. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it, just like the one that we just saw in the picture. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead for four days. Thank you, Captain Obvious. So in other words... She's saying, hey, Jesus, we take away that tomb, and it's going to stink just a little bit. I have a, uh, I have a three-year-old son, and um, if you have boys, if you have a son, then you know this to be true. Sometimes they stink, <laughs> right? Uh, the other day, my son comes home from uh, preschool, and... Uh, one of uh, one of his preschool teachers, uh, they they called and, and told my wife. They said, "Yeah, he had these shoes on today, and he took his shoes off. Man, his feet stank." <laughs> I was like, "Oh man, he's three. Oh gosh, he st- he he stank. My son stank. Not like stinks, but I mean like stank. You know what I'm talking about, like." It just gets up and walks on. Like it has a whole personality kind of stink. You know what I mean? That kind of stink. You know what I'm talking about. If you've got boys, you, I mean, if you're a boy, you know what I'm talking about. Because you stink sometimes too. We just, we're men, we stink. And so, this is, and so Martha says to Jesus, she says, you take away that stone and it's going to stink. But what she's really saying is, is you know why it stinks in there? It's because you didn't show up. Sometimes life stinks, doesn't it? Sometimes it stinks. We don't know what to do with it. And sometimes it stinks because we feel like that God didn't show up. Because God, God wasn't there when we wanted him to be there. And so the thing that goes through our mind most is that, that God is actually doing something to us. That's what, maybe that's what Martha is thinking at this moment. She's thinking that, you know what, why are you doing this to us? Why didn't you show up when we asked you to show up? Why are you doing this to us? And maybe that's what you're thinking right now. Maybe your problem, your situation, your deal, whatever it is, maybe you're asking that question. God, why are you doing this to me? Why are you doing this to me? As we'll see in just a moment, it's not that God is doing something to us. It's that God is actually doing something in us that we'll see in just a minute. 
But just because life stinks, just because our situation stinks, it doesn't mean that God doesn't love us or He is even finished with us. I know this to be true about myself, is that sometimes I'm a mess. I am. I'll just be honest with you. Sometimes, sometimes my life is a mess. Sometimes I'm just a mess. I've been a mess. I'll be a mess again. But I'm God's mess. And that means everything. That means everything. Here's the thing about resurrections. They're unexpected. They're unexpected. Look at this. John eleven forty three. Verse 43, it says, When he had said these things, he cried out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. I think it's interesting. I heard somebody say this one time. They said if he had not had said the name Lazarus, it would have been like the walking dead all over again because they all just would have came out and everybody been like, what? <laughs> but he says Lazarus, thank goodness. He had to be specific. This is God, by the way. He commands the dead. He says, Lazarus, come out. And the man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. They did not expect that to happen. That was totally unexpected. Last summer, I was driving through Oliver Springs my wife and family, and we were uh, coming back from visiting my in-laws. And uh, we're coming back, and we're driving through Oliver Springs. And my wife, if you guys live in Oliver Springs or you've been through Oliver Springs, you know this to be true. You don't speed in Oliver Springs. And so I'm coming back, and we're actually driving through the little construction zone there. And my wife says, you better slow down because there's going to be a cop up here. I know exactly where he sits, and he's going to pull you over. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. You know. And so I'm, like, so I'm just driving, and, you know, and uh, well, lo and behold, guess who gets pulled over? Woo! Yeah, me. And so uh, I get pulled over, and the officer comes by. And it's one of those things where it's like, man, you know you were speeding. Like, you can't even act like you weren't. I mean, you just were. And so he comes to the car and, you know, rolls down the window, and he's like, so, hey, you know why you pulled, pulled you over? And, you know, at that moment, you just got to be like, yeah, I was kind of speeding. I was going a little fast. And so that's exactly what I told him. You know, thinking that if I'm honest, you know, if I try to put on, you know, just being honest with the guy, he's going to be like, hey, you know, it's a Friday night, you know, just, hey, you know, I got the kids in the car. He's like, just go on. Nope. And so I get a ticket. He gives me a ticket. And a couple of, a couple of weeks later, I have to go to court. And when I go to court, I show up to uh, show up to court there in Oliver Springs, just uh, such an amazing place. And I, I get there. If you work there, I, I love you. Uh, but um, I get there. If you're the judge there, I really love you. But um, I'm there, and I'm, I'm sitting in the courtroom, and man, it was amazing. And, and so I'm waiting, and like I'm like there for like two hours because it's just like packed full of people. And the judge, man, he's just like giving it to everybody. I mean, he's not letting anybody go. I mean, he's just, I mean, just, it's like he had a bad day, you know. And so he's just like getting everybody. And so finally, he comes, he comes to me, and I, I approach the I approach the bench, and he calls me up there, and he says, "So you were speeding. How do you plead?" And I was like, "Okay, what do I, you know?" I, and so I tell him, guilty. He's like, okay, all right. So uh, what do you do? What, what do you mean? He's like, like for work? Yeah, what do you do for work? Oh, gosh. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm a pastor. Oh, really? And you were speeding. Yeah, yes, yes, I was. He said, oh, okay, well. So what would make a great sermon illustration here? I, I don't know. You tell me. Well, how about if I gave you a fine and you got exactly what you deserved? 
What, and so this is what he said. he said. He said, you tell me, you were speeding in a construction zone. You tell me, what is it that you deserve? Well, um, I guess I deserve a fine. That's what I deserve. And he said, hmm, what would make a better sermon illustration? If you showed me grace and mercy? <laughs> And he said, yeah, he said, I forgive you of your offense. You may go free. No fine, no penalty, pay nothing. I was like clicking my heels on the way out, you know. (laughs) And I I turned around and I told him, I said, I'm going to preach that one day. He said, you better. (laughs) So I'm preaching it today. Totally unexpected. Totally unexpected. I didn't expect that. I mean, I went. I had my checkbook in my pocket. I mean, I'd already written it out. I wrote, you know, City of Oliver Springs on it already. I was ready to pay it. Completely unexpected. It's the same thing with the resurrection. Have you ever had something unexpected happen to you? Something that you just didn't expect to happen? See, I believe that Jesus wants to do something unexpected in your life today. I believe that, that maybe... You, show, you showed up here today, and you didn't really know what to think when you got here today. And, and, and maybe you've already seen something unexpected. Maybe, maybe you've already experienced something unexpected today. I don't know what it was that, that you expected when you got here today. I don't even know if you expected to be here today. Maybe, maybe you just woke up, and somebody said, Hey, you're coming to church with me, and you're here today, and you didn't even expect to be here, but maybe you've already experienced something unexpected today. I believe that God wants to take that one step further. And do something even more miraculous and something unexpected in your life today. You see, when they called for Jesus the first time, when Lazarus was sick, they called for Jesus to come to heal him while he was still alive. I believe for some of you that that Jesus doesn't want to heal you. But he wants to resurrect you. He wants to... He wants you to experience something greater than you've ever experienced before. Maybe you've experienced healing. Maybe you've experienced a thing where, where a problem has come about or a situation has come about where something has happened in your life. And God took care of it. God did it. God did his thing, and it was great. And you didn't have to experience any pain. You didn't have to experience any distraught. You, you, you didn't have to experience any of that. But maybe right now you're experiencing that because God didn't show up when you expected him to show up. But I believe that he didn't show up because he wants to resurrect you and not just heal you. In Matthew 28, 5 and 6, Jesus, um, it's, it's the resurrection story again. But in 28, 5 and 6, it says this. It says, but the angel said to the woman who came to see Jesus, who was not there. The angel said to him, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. I'm asking you to come and see the place where he lay. The tomb is empty. He is not in it. Jesus really is who he says he is. 
He will do everything that he promised he would do. That means that if you need to experience a resurrection today, then you can experience a resurrection today. But we have to give our whole lives to him. We have to give ourselves to him. We have to come to him. We have to go to the place and see where he lay. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, he says, uh, I'm paraphrasing, but he says, if resurrection really didn't happen, if Christ is not risen from the dead, then I am to be most pitied of all. I'm going to be the biggest fool. But then he says, but he is risen. And I am not a fool because he is alive. It's unexpected. What Jesus did here with Lazarus was unexpected. What Jesus did in the tomb was unexpected. What God wants to do in your life today may be unexpected. I want to ask for just a moment if we can just pray as we close. Father, what you have done here today, God, for some has been unexpected. God, maybe you have proven to some here today, God, that you are who you say you are and that you're going to do everything that you promised that you would do. Father, God, I pray that as we pray for just a moment, God, that you continue to speak to people. If you're here today and you came in to these doors today and you didn't expect what you saw or what you heard or what you've experienced today, And maybe you're there and you're in that place where you needed God to heal, but he didn't show up. He didn't heal what you needed healing, but you're in need of resurrection today. You're you're in need of God to do something unexpected in your life, in your situation, in your problem. If that's you, every eye closed, every head bowed, just so I can pray for you. We just throw up your hand. You say, I just need God to show up. I need resurrection here today. Amen. Amen. Their hands up all over the place. Amen. Maybe you came here today. Let me, let me just tell you this. You're not here by surprise. You didn't show up here today and God's not going, how did you get here? You're, you're here on purpose. You're here for a reason. You're here because God wanted you here to hear the message that he is who he says he is and that he will do everything that he promised he would do, which means that he can and will overcome the world and that he can save you and resurrect you. If you're here today and you've never trusted your life to Jesus, you've never given your life to Christ, and you've never said, God, I want to give my life to you. I trust my heart with you, to you. If that's you, you just throw up your hand just just so I can say, just see you. Just so I can see you. God, I want to pray, Jesus, God, that today that you're doing unexpected things in people's hearts, that you're doing unexpected things in people's minds. God, for whatever situation someone may find themselves in, God, God, I pray that today, God, that your power will reign supreme. We know that you can. We know that you will. Father, we know that you are a God who is not dead, but you are alive. If you're here today and you need to ask Christ to come into your life, it's as simple as just giving your life to him by praying a prayer and saying, God, forgive me of my sins. Come into my life and save me. If that's you today and you need to pray that prayer, I just want to encourage you over the next few minutes, in your own words and in your own way, I can't pray that prayer for you. You have to pray that prayer. It's not about walking an aisle and coming down front and doing any of that stuff. It's about having a real conversation with God saying, God, here I am. Save me. Forgive me. Come into my life. And if that's you here today, then I want to ask you in the next few moments as the band comes to sing and play, 
and we take up our offering in just a few minutes, that you do that, that you pray that prayer in your own way, in your own terms, to ask Jesus to come into your life, to make Easter your resurrection and not just the resurrection of Christ. That you do it today. That you don't wait. Father, I want to pray for each person here today, God. God, I pray for each situation. I pray for each hopelessness that that exists here today. God, I pray that you breathe hope into them. God, I pray that you breathe life into the lifeless. God, I pray that, that today, God, resurrections will happen. God, as we celebrate your resurrection, God, that you are resurrecting people, even now, even now. Father, we love you and we thank you. Thank you for what you've done here today. We thank you for what you're going to continue to do. Father God, it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. I want to ask you, in just a moment, we're going to see a video, and then we're going to have our time of giving, and the band's going to play, and you guys are going to go and have your ham dinner and whatever it is that you do on Easter Sunday. But as we do that, as the band gets ready to play in just a moment, that you take that connection card out. If God has spoken to you in some way, if we can pray with you, if we can pray for you, maybe you've accepted Christ for the first time today, if you'll just take that connection card and just write it on that card, and then in the next few minutes, if you'll drop it in the basket as it comes around. Take a look at this.